time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. All right, welcome back in. It is the third and final hour here on Monday. And it's good to have Jack Splane back. You were you were out last week. You were under the weather. I we was under the weather. I, I, I find COVID finally caught up with me. Um, so, uh, uh, but I'm good to go now and um, none the worse for the wear. wear. And, uh, and of course, we, we missed you last week, but also it was a week that had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff that we can talk about and that we can unpack, uh, which is what we do here Mondays with Jack Blaine of New Bedford Light. First, I got to get ready here and queue up the Rolling Stones. There we go. It's time to turn all the light with Jack's playing of New Bedford Light, and that way, there the Rolling Stones can still get their royalties off of the Rolling Stones because they need it. You know, they, they definitely need it. Uh, so, again, as I mentioned, it was a, a pretty interesting week. Uh, it started off with the city council's meeting where they wanted to have an executive session to talk about what they felt were some safety issues, some security issues, and one of the interesting things that came out of that discussion was that when they went into executive session, they had everybody leave the council chambers, and then the police asked everybody to leave the building after that. Have, have you as a reporter ever had to leave the building if they went into an executive session? No, absolutely no. And, um, you know, you would, I, I don't know what the reason for that was, but it seems to me that it should be a stated reason because not only members of the public who the council has had issues with had to leave, but everybody had to leave. Um, I did talk to our, our reporter, Arthur Hirsch, who was there, and he was flummoxed by it. He had never seen anything like that before. And I, I think they deserve an explanation. I don't know when they return. The other thing is, when you have an executive session, sometimes you will vote after you come out of the executive session. The vote has to be in public. I don't know if there was a vote, but if there was a vote, people who had to leave would have no way of knowing um, uh, that that what the vote was. I, I guess you could go to city to to the city council office and find if there was a recorded vote. vote. But that really should be done um, in public and on camera. So well, council, well, there was no camera. There, the, the cable didn't even go and film that meeting. What what, what is the um, guidelines for when a camera is used and when it's not used for council meetings? I assume, I thought that it would have to be all those meetings. All meetings would have to be filmed. Um, certainly, they said in the press release regarding the live streams that it would be all meetings of the full council plus select committee, but most of the committee yeah. meetings. So and, uh, and, uh, this and, would count as all meetings. Yeah. This would and, count and, as a meeting of the whole full obviously council. Obviously, you wouldn't um, have, um, you wouldn't broadcast the, the uh, closed session. Right. I, I like to call them closed sessions rather than executive sessions because that's what they are. Executive is a euphemism in my opinion for, for that. But so the closed session 
wouldn't have to be televised, obviously. But uh, after they come out, anything that they might do, because that, they resumed the meeting. And so if everybody from, was asked to leave City Hall, then no one saw them resume the meeting. Council President Morad told me on Friday uh, in her segment here on the air that they actually voted to adjourn in the closed session. Is that allowed? That's a question that people are asking, but um, Attorney Garatowski was there uh, as well as the city solicitor. So I would think that if it wasn't, somebody would have brought that up. But that's what she told me happened. So well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't think necessarily that you would know because nobody was there. So, you know, how does anybody know to bring it up? I'm just telling you what you told yeah. me. <laughs> uh, so the, the idea was that they weren't going to have any more public portion of the meeting and therefore without any public meetings happening city hall becomes closed yeah i mean there, there was so much there's so much speculation around town about what this meeting was about that i do think that the council owes an explanation to people i, I know that there is an exception for personnel matters but but and i guess if the council elected officials consider themselves personnel that's a stretch because they're elected um i i don't i don't know i think i think more needs to be said about what, what the issues are are there safety issues at at New Bedford City Hall? Are there harassment issues at New Bedford City Hall? If there are, they, they should be discussed. Now, maybe the council feels to discuss them would put them in danger. And if that's the case, then then I'm, I'm open to hearing, you know, what the reasons are. But it, it, it just seems very, um, it's really on the borderline of, of, of this kind of meeting behind closed doors. I tried to get some information out of the council president on Friday about what went on in the meeting, just kind of even, you know, rough parameters of what was discussed or, or a thumbnail sketch, and she did not want to provide any information about anything that was said. Yeah, I thought you had to give the topic. I don't, I don't think you have to give the names of individuals, but, um, I mean, I mean, let's, I mean, I'll just uh, put it on the, on the, on the record. Um, uh, Carlos Felix um, and Gilly Safiolis have contacted me, and I know they've contacted other, other members of the press. Uh, they believe that they were the subject of the meeting. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they believe. They've, uh, yeah, they've called in to, dis to discuss that, too. Um, but, again, I just wanted to clarify, because you as somebody who has covered meetings for a long time, you have never been asked to leave the building for... for no, I, I mean... There may have been a bomb scare or something like that somewhere along the line, but I can't remember ever being asked to leave the meeting so that a, a close to a meeting could take leave the building, leave the room certainly, but mm -hmm. not leave the building. Did Did Arthur have to leave the building? I know he was arguing with the police officer that he shouldn't have to, but did Did he end up having to leave the building? Um, Arthur should speak for himself, but 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 my understanding is that he did. So we have a call here on the line, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are next on WBSM with Jack Spillane. Good morning. Gilly Safios. Morning, Gilly. Uh, Arthur did leave the building. Arthur did leave the building. Everybody left the building. Okay. Okay. But now let me tell you what exactly what happened. In the first place, I called cable TV during the week. And I asked why the cable thing wasn't there. Now, that was, that was an open meeting. That was an advertised open meeting. They opened up the meeting. They took a vote. They said their pledges of allegiance. And then they opened up the meeting. They took a vote. And they go into executive session. That should have been televised. Okay? And the response I got from cable was, we weren't going to go there just for a couple of minutes. 
Okay. Now, Linda Morad made a statement on she that came out of her mouth. They adjourned in executive session. They cannot adjourn in an executive session. They should have came back out. How, how do you know that, Gilly? How, how do you know they can't adjourn in executive session? Well, I'm going to tell you how I know that. I've been to a lot of meetings. I've been to a lot of meetings at the school department. Okay? And the way it works, when you adjourn to go into executive session, you either, like the school department does, they go to another room. And they will adjourn in in front of everybody and say, we're going into executive session and we're not going to return. You, you follow me? Yep. Okay. Well, they didn't do that. They just adjourned and went into executive session. And Linda made a statement. They adjourned in executive session. They can't adjourn in executive session. Well, now, Linda, I... I, I... I have to admit, I haven't seen that in my long career. I usually, they, as you point out, they come back out and then they take a vote to adjourn immediately sometimes, or sometimes they'll take a vote based on what happened in the meeting. But I have not seen adjourning in the closed session. And But I don't, I don't know that. I mean, Attorney Kowatowski was there. I assume he has a, some sort of section of the law he's going to cite as to why they adjourned in closed session. No, that, Jack, but you've got to also realize he has been proven. He has been proven. It's been done a million times. Dave Toski and attorneys have given the president of the city council, Linda Moran, they told her what to do, and she refused to do it. It's been proven. It isn't like she follows directions. She doesn't. I'll give you a perfect example. Where she, the only thing, am I right to correct you guys on this? that the only thing in City Hall that Linda has jurisdiction over is the council room. She doesn't have jurisdiction out of nothing else. Well, well, there are multiple council rooms. Excuse me? There are multiple council rooms. There's three of them, I think. Right. That's the only place she has jurisdiction. She doesn't have jurisdiction over City Hall. Perfect example. Like I'm going to bring this up. I get arrested for clapping in city chambers by Linda Morad. I went to jail. I got bailed out and I had to go to court the next day. Okay. When I went to court the next day, I went in front of a judge and the judge had to give me a date to show up. Okay. The judge says, Mr. Safios, you're supposed to stay out of city hall and if you get in trouble again, you'll do 90 days in jail if it happens before you come in before me again. Okay? And he gave the folder, my folder, to the clerk. When he gave the my folder to the clerk, I said, Your Honor, may I ask you a question? And he let me speak. And I said, I was going to go to City Hall right as soon as I left here to see the mayor. Are you trying to tell me that, the mayor, that Linda Morad has more power in City Hall than the mayor. And he looked at me kind of puzzled and he asked for my folder back. Now this is on record. He asked for my folder back from the clerk. He looks at the folder, he looks at the statement, he makes, 
I'm going to rescind everything I just said. You can go to City Hall, but you cannot get in trouble because if you do get in trouble for the time you come back, you'll have to do the 90 days. Well, I mean, that's fair enough. I, I just got to hold you there, Gilly, because I got to take a break here. I'm up against it. But I, okay. I, I did. Understand. She's got no rights. She can't adjourn. She cannot adjourn in well, executive session. I just, I just looked up, um, you know, just looking in the Roberts Rules of Order. It does say that Roberts does allow for both discussion and voting during an executive session. So that vote to adjourn, I guess, by that rule can happen okay. within the executive session. You're right, Tim. Tim, you're right. They can vote in executive session. But also, the rules also say, after 24 hours, if they settled the thing or took the vote, it becomes public record. This just they says, should... all this says here is decisions made during a closed meeting don't have to be revealed to non-board members until the board itself chooses to do so. If they settle... Well, well, like, well Robert's rules of order are one thing. And I know well, that, I'm just I know using this as a guideline. That, but but the, the rules of the city, and you're dealing with not... A private concern here. You're you know, having a meeting under Robert's rules. You, you, you're dealing with a public body, and to have a meeting where you evacuate City Hall, where you um, don't tell anybody what it's about, and it may affect the lives of citizens. Whatever you think of those citizens, um, that concerns me. That that should all be done in private. I, I, I maybe yeah. I don't understand. No, I agree the, with you. The the public law, mm -hmm. but I think that the community deserves. An explanation is the council in danger. Is the council being harassed? Um, the public des deserves an explanation. Tim, Tim, yes. At the school committee, it happened at the school committee. They went into executive session, and they talked about me. Okay, in executive session without me being present, I went to Gail, which was the secretary. She worked for like five different superintendents. And I went there the next day. I called her up at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I said, Gail, can I have the minutes of the executive session? Was, I forgot the year, but it was like uh, in November. And I said to him, can I? She says, Gilly, I can't give you the, the minutes for executive session. I says, well, that's Dr. Silva. If it's settled in executive session, if they took a vote, after 24 hours, it becomes public record. This was at 10 in the morning. She called me up at, tw at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and says, Gilly, come and get the minutes. When I went there, she says, Gilly, I've been here 30 years. Nobody's ever asked for How did you know you could ask for the minutes? And I got the minutes that same day. Huh? If they settled the thing or took a vote and it settled, you have the right to get those minutes. The, and the, I don't play a lawyer. So. I think it's important to point out that there were... I think at least two counselors who did not attend this meeting, uh, Councillor Abu, Ian Abu, and Councillor Sean Oliver. I don't know what their reasons were. But Scott Lima. And Scott, Scott Lima. Lima. So, so three. So this is yes. eight, only eight. The beer, um, two-thirds minimum. And if, I, and if I remember correctly, Scott Lima was the only one that wrote a letter that he wasn't going to be there. What was his excuse? And please don't tell me uh, because of uh, a prior because of uh, prior engagement. Uh, that's what they usually use. No. All right. Well, thanks, Gilly. Well, you told me not to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got him there. All right. Thank you. You have a good day. Okay.
All right, Bye-bye. we we got to take a break. We'll be right back with more with Jack Spillane. Turning on the light in just a moment. All right, we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We have a few minutes here before we're going to go into the newsroom. And if you want to call in at all during the segment, 508-996-0500. You can also send app chat messages on the WBSM app if you would like to do that. Um, we got an app chat message from Mully in Fairhaven who says... The open meeting law is a paper tiger. It has no bite when violated. I don't know. There's been sanctions uh, there, before. There, there has been a lot of um, discussion that the Massachusetts open meeting law is a weak law, certainly compared to other states, including much more conservative states. Um, the Massachusetts legislature does almost everything in private. Very, very little of their business is done in public. So I, I think the, the, um, the writer has a point that the open meeting law is not as strong as it could be in Massachusetts. But are they going to vote to change it if they're utilizing it themselves? I, I think Tony Cabral tried to change it a little bit, but but the key word is a little bit. It didn't really change that much. Um, but I have heard of, you know, um, there was issues, I, I think Wareham had some issues, but there were some issues with people, uh, with boards that have violated the open meeting law and have been fined. And, oh, sure. Uh, so, oh, it, sure. I mean, there's. it's not like there's... It's, it's, it's hard, though. There was a case in Fall River where they were meeting in a restaurant and um, there was a complaint lodged and they investigated, the state investigated, and they found that their investigation consisted of asking all the counselors, did you discuss city business while you were in the restaurant, which we've seen in New Bedford, too? And they all said, no, we didn't. So you had to take their word for it that, no, they didn't discuss any... Any city business, I, th- I think it's a weak law. I think instead what we should do is we should let them just bring food into the council chambers and they can have a meal while they're having the regular <laughs> meeting. Uh, also, Dave in New Bedford says, I would love for MTV to bring back Celebrity Deathmatch. First match, Linda versus Gilly, then maybe it would put an end to this nonsense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was it was a tongue-in-cheek show. It yeah. was uh, they were claymation versions of them that would just beat each other up. So I don't know if we, uh, we need to get to that far, but... Uh, they definitely need to settle their, their issues, that's for sure. All right, it is time to go into the newsroom and get all the stories of the day from Ariel. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with Jack. We're going to talk about uh, his latest column at newbedfordlight.org, which is a, a very um, insightful piece on the Steeple Playhouse and the challenges that they faced in getting to the point where they are now. And uh, it's a wonderful story. Uh, we'll talk about it, but of course, it won't do it justice. You'll want to read it at newbedfordlight.org. And of course, we'll also take your phone calls, 508-996-0500 and your app chat messages at uh, the WBSM app as well. But right now, let's go into the newsroom and get all of the national and international headlines from Ariel Dorsey. Tennessee Emergency Management has declared a state of emergency after a string of tornadoes left at least six people dead over the weekend. Preliminary reports are that 13 tornadoes touched down across parts of the middle of the state. Dozens of injuries have been reported from area hospitals. Former President Trump is calling off plans to testify this morning in his civil fraud trial in Lower Manhattan. The former president says he has testified to everything and has nothing more to say after doing so last month. Trump was expected to make his second appearance on the witness stand to be questioned by his own attorneys as the final witness for the defense. 
Ukrainian President Zelensky is set to travel to the White House on Tuesday. President Biden invited Zelensky for a meeting to underscore the U.S. commitment to supporting Ukraine. An aid package for the country remains stalled in Congress, with the visit coming less than a week after Senate Republicans blocked a bill to give aid to Ukraine and Israel in their respective fights against Russia and Hamas. The president of the University of Pennsylvania is stepping down after a congressional hearing about anti-Semitism on college campuses. The House has been investigating Harvard, MIT, and UPenn after their president failed to explicitly say calling for the genocide of Jews violates their code of conduct. On Saturday, UPenn president Liz McGill announced she'd be resigning effective immediately. A Catholic priest is dead after he was stabbed on Sunday in Nebraska. Authorities say Father Stephen Gutskill was attacked inside the St. John, the Baptist Church Rectory in Fort Calhoun. A 43-year-old male suspect has been arrested on a homicide and weapons charge. A massive dead whale washed ashore along San Diego's Missions Beach Sunday morning. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration received numerous calls to its stranding network hotline regarding the mammal. The whale was determined to be a 52-foot-long female fin whale. Officials say fin whales are the second largest whales in the world behind only blue whales. Adults can reach up to 80 feet long and weigh about 100,000 pounds. They're also endangered with only a about 8,000 living off the West Coast. In sports, the Bruins are away from the TD Garden for the next two games. Boston visits the Prudential Center Wednesday night for a battle against the New Jersey Devils. With the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday, the Pats are out of postseason contention. This is the earliest a Patriots team has been mathematically eliminated since 2000, which was the first year with Bill Belichick as head coach. This week, the Patriots will host the Kansas City Chiefs. And Boston continues its five-game homestand tomorrow night when it welcomes the Cleveland Calaveras into the Garden. The two teams will face one another in a rematch Thursday night in Boston. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Take it easy on the roads if you're planning to head out first thing this morning. We do have the heavy rain, strong gusty winds. The rain will be exiting by mid-morning and the winds will prevail. The temperatures will be falling into the mid to lower 40s for this afternoon. Overnight, mostly clear, breezy. The winds will be dying down after midnight. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. But if you are out and about and you're thinking to yourself, I need a treat. I need to get myself something good to start off my week and to be dealing with all this rain. Or, you know, maybe you're also planning your holiday get-togethers and you're thinking about other people too. 
You can do that sometimes, I guess. <laughs> but either way, stop by Sunrise Bakery and Coffee Shop on Bolton Street in New Bedford to get all of your holiday party European pastries. They're fresh-baked daily Portuguese pops and breads. They also have fresh-baked sweet bread, rice pudding, and cheesecakes. And you can get all your favorite pies like blueberry, apple, mincemeat, Boston cream pie, and carrot cake, just to name a few. Plus, a really helpful thing this time of year when you get so much running around to do and so much heavy cooking to do for parties and get-togethers and you need something quick, you can grab some of their fresh baked bread and get some of their casserole, their tuna fish, or their chicken salad to make those sandwiches when you're ready to have them. Or if you don't have that kind of time, you can stop in and get them already made. Make it a stress-free holiday for yourself and enjoy more time with your guests and family by letting Sunrise do the bakery for you. Sunrise Bakery and Coffee Shop at 506 Bolton Street in New Bedford. All right, we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane. He is here with us. And um, I could use a cup of Sunrise coffee right about now. I, I love Sunrise. I love the one in Dartmouth, and I love the one on Bolton Street. Well, now we we only have the one in, on Bolton Street now. But yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's okay, though. You can still get everything that you need to get from there. But one thing that has made a comeback is, well, I mean, with all the work that they put into the First Baptist Church, uh, to finally be able to open the Steeple Playhouse and to have this culmination of a decades-long journey. Yeah, this this is a, a monumental achievement for the city. Um, you know, the quality of life in a city is often dependent on the quality of its artistic institutions, whether they be the art museums or the theaters or or whatever. And um, we've always had this Itarian Theater for big music productions, but your theater, which has uh, been at last uh, 17 years, I guess, at St. Martin's in the South End is a community theater that does dramatic and comedy, you know, uh, non-musical productions. Mm -hmm. And um, they're just a great little theater. But uh, anyone who's been to um, St. Martin's, uh, the, the, uh, hall, the hall in the back uh, in the South End, um, knows that the space was small. It was really, I think they held about 99 people. So this new space they have at the former First Baptist Church right across from City Hall on William Street in downtown New Bedford, is just stupendous. It took 10 years to do it. It was, uh, you know, a big historic church. Um, some say the most historic church in the city where Robert's Rules of Order was formed. Um, had, it was a home to abolitionist ministers. Uh, uh, and they have to the tune of $2.5 to $3 million. Uh, and it's really a credit to Whale because... The Waterfront Historic Area League, what a great institution that is, really has rescued, you know, the historic part of downtown New Bedford from being torn down and given the city a chance at being a, a tourist and entertainment destination that it has now, uh, did the fundraising for this. They went out and got the historic uh, tax credits. Uh, they found a partner in your theater. Uh, the Mitchell administration was very supportive of this. Other administrations couldn't get it done. And... So now we have um, a, if you haven't been in it yet, you just have to go in it. It's, it's just so much bigger and more muscular. It just, it, it has a very big lighting grid. It's, it's lit from the balcony instead of the side of the, the hall, the way it used to be. It's um, uh, a big stage that can pull out and they're also going to do performing arts there. Um, they had uh, a Christmas, they're having a Christmas carol which is a one-man show December 16th, and they had um, Jazz Fest uh, on December 9th. So the stage can be brought in and, and enlarged or, or made smaller depending on the production. So it's just a first-class professional theater now. It's, it's, 
you know, for purists who might say, well, it's no longer a church. They do have uh, some of the pews, but it's it's a theater, and it's just a great theater. I saw Murder on the Orient Express um, a few weeks ago, um, and it was just wonderful. Um, uh, uh, so this is a credit to your theater. Uh, they're calling it the Steeple Playhouse, uh, which will be a wholly owned subsidiary of your theater. And the Steeple Playhouse will then do things like concerts and other types of entertainment that wants to do there. The seating goes from 199 to 250, I think. So that's how much bigger it is. And it can go even as high as 285, I think. 200, 260, 285. I, I forget the exact numbers, but um, it's much bigger. And, and as you point out, you know, the pews need to stay in place as part of the historic you know, uh, qualifications. Yeah, the pews are not the original pews from the 1829 built church. Those would have been box pews, but they are um, certainly historic in the sense that they were at some historic period a long time ago in the church. And in order to get the historic tax credits, they had to leave some of them in for five years. Um, I, I sat in one of the pews uh, for um, to, to, to watch the performance. It was perfectly comfortable. Um, so, you know, if you think about it, your length of a performance is similar to the length of a, a, a long church, Sunday church service. So uh, it's, it's fine. And they also have extra seating around the pews. And also, when you think about some of the other places you've seen shows, uh, you know, a wooden pew is just as comfortable as some of the theater seats you've been in some other places. Yeah. They actually have pads in them, I, I believe. Um, but they also have um, uh, uh, a, black, a, a black box theater, I think it's, it's called, in the, in the, which is sort of like an experimental theater. Uh, where they can do experimental uh, productions in the basement. Uh, there's a kitchenette. And then to the side of the building where their um, education center was, the old First Baptist Congregation, which is a very small congregation, will continue to lease space from your theater and be able to be located there. The congregation had dwindled like a lot of mainstream uh, Protestant and Catholic donate, uh, uh, denominations to like... Um, Oh, 25 or so people. So they, they really could not keep the building up anymore. But now this historic building gets to remain and, and gets utilized and will be a crown jewel for the city. Yeah, and, and, it, and it was an enormous project. This, it took 10 years. In the middle of it, they uh, their costs were exponentially more expensive because COVID came in and construction costs for everything got way more expensive halfway through. So they stuck with it. They kept raising money, um, I, I think, you know, Whale and Terry Bernert was the uh, head of Whale. She's now left uh, who did this. And the folks at your theater, they, they just did a great job. Well, and you talked about in the, in, the, in the column, you talked about the individuals that were involved in this and the people who there were some who didn't get to see it come through to fruition, who, did, who passed along the way, but that there was a lot of people who played a role in making this happen. Yeah. Uh, so over the years, I've done some theater reviews at, uh, of your theater and... Um, so I got to know one of the directors and producers, really the soul of, of your theater was a guy named Ed McGuire. And Ed McGuire was just this wonderful, kindly old man. Um, and he didn't live to see the opening of it, but he always saved money from their productions so that they could be in a position to buy a building like this someday. You know, I know there's a lot of criticism from some of the outlying neighborhoods in New Bedford that the downtown gets all the attention. But really the downtown is the heart and soul of any community. And we shouldn't, you know, begrudge or, or feel envious of a great theater in the downtown. Now you, and this is opening just in time because 
some of the performances you might have had at Citerion, which is obviously much larger. You know, while that's being renovated, you can do some of that stuff at, at your theater. I know a lot of stuff is going to be done at the high school. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 the Star Store, which unfortunately, you know, they're still struggling to get back. It, it, it's not clear whether that can happen. Um, the historic district, the galleries that have opened, the restaurants that have opened, all those things are, are, are good. And they don't preclude doing... There's a similar revival going on um, in the... Um, North End on a Cushnet Avenue with International Marketplace, and there's um, a similar revival on Rivet Street around the rebuilding of Ashley Park. So it, it doesn't have to be just one neighborhood, but sometimes you, you get a, you hear a little griping, particularly on the city council floor about too much happening, you know, in the downtown. I don't know why people would be against their own downtown, but evidently some people are. Because I think they look at it as they know that Mayor Mitchell is a strong is a proponent of a strong downtown. So well, this politics is always politics. Absolutely. Let's take our next break here. 508-996-0500. We'll be back with more as we are turning on the light with Jack. And we are back with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. 508-996-0500. If you want to chime in, you can also send in app chat messages on the WBSM app. Uh, Jack, we had mentioned, you had mentioned Star Store uh, when we were talking about the Steeple Playhouse. But one thing that I haven't had a chance to talk with you about is that uh, Senator Montigny pushed for the legislature to take that um, surplus. There was apparently a surplus from Star Store, money that they didn't spend when they needed all these problems that UMass didn't spend on repairing it. And so they had the surplus, and he has made it now so that surplus will at least go back to the students so that they'll get some reimbursement. Yeah, I, I think that's a good thing. I'm glad he did that. Uh, I understand it's about $300,000. I don't know exactly how far it will go and how many students... Uh, it will affect, uh, there are what said to be 118 students. If you divide that by 300,000, is that, I don't know, 3,000 apiece? I mean, it's very expensive to go to UMass Dartmouth. Uh, that I've, I've been told by Fallon Navarro uh, that it's $100,000 for a three years master of fine arts program. Wow. So, and to have to be in Bed Bath and Beyond when you're paying that kind of money where they can't even, uh, up until now maybe maybe they've changed it recently but they were not able to drain the the the, the painting fluids or you know you know get the exhaust from the kilns uh dispelled correctly uh, uh i understand they're working on that but this has been a blown semester any way i can see for those poor kids and in, in some of the ceramics and uh uh, painting programs. So at least, yeah, at least they're getting some financial relief. But then the real question comes, what happens in the spring semester? I'm wondering how many of those kids aren't even looking to pursue this at UMass Dartmouth next year well, well, or next the, semester. Is that, will kids begin to look for someplace to transfer? Will they not be able to attract a good new class because kids will have heard about what's going on there? Uh, and do they really you know, want to go to a Bed Bath & Beyond uh, um, or wherever they're going to have them? Uh, the the other thing is, it, it just, I, I don't know that, that I, I'm glad Senator Martigny got this money and they should have spent it on maintenance, but I don't know whether it's going to really be enough to really make a big difference in the money the kids uh, paid. Maybe it will. I don't know who's eligible for it and who isn't. I, I asked one of the students and, and she didn't know about it at all. One other thing I, I haven't had a chance to speak with you about was the reaction that people had to the, to the, um, wind turbine that was put into Clark's Cove, which is just a, just a research project. 
Yeah, I heard Tom Kennedy and some of the other folks talking about that. Uh, they, they definitely should have announced it ahead of time so people weren't surprised. Uh, what are they building a wind turbine like in Fairhaven in the middle of Clark's Cove? It does seem like an exciting research project and good for New Bedford to be the place where where they're doing it. It puts us on the map again. I don't, you know, I don't live down there in the Cove, so maybe people who live on the Cove feel differently. Um, it's both Dartmouth and New Bedford that borders the Cove, of course. Um, I don't know. It seems like a good thing to me. It's a temporary thing. And, the yeah, like you said, the design idea is, is pretty cool. They have a floating turbine that they can direct into the wind. And um, But, again, most people's problem isn't with that. It's with the way that it was handled. Yes. And the fact that they let an absence of information foster speculation. Yeah, and and, and, and it happens all the time, it seems, in, in this city and other places, too, you know, where, where, where they just don't get... You know, the, it's funny because... The city puts out press releases on all kinds of things, and then some big things, there's nothing. <laughs> so you, you wonder, is it done on purpose? Is it an oversight? What, 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 what is going on? Yeah, I think this might have just been a timing issue, but um, certainly, you know, it's, it is, like you said, it is pretty impressive that New Bedford was chosen for this. And um, I did get some calls from people that are like, well, I don't want them coming here and doing the research here. And I'm like, well, but no, you do want that because you want the science community looking at it just as much as you want the commercial side of it. I mean, there, there are some folks in town who feel like anything to do with wind hurts the fishing industry. The nature of wind hurts fishing. I don't subscribe to that. that doesn't really make sense to me. But you do hear that point of view out there. The fishing industry wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for wind. That's how they got out there back in the old days. <laughs> All right. Uh, we do have to take one final break here. Uh, 508-996-0500. We'll be right back with more with Jack. And we are back with Jack Spillane as we are turning on the light. Jack, now that you're back from uh, from your your stint with COVID there, uh, what are you working on now? So I, I have um, some stories I'm working on. Uh, you know, I always like to, to keep it a little close to the vest, but I, I, I have another um, star store story I'm working on. And... Um, uh, something to do with the um, uh, taxes in New Bedford. Well, I mean, that's the thing that's on people's minds now. The tax rate's been set. Well, New Year is coming upon us, and, and everybody can start saving up their, their pennies. Now, what about what about holiday stuff? Is they going to have a nice holiday party over at the light for you guys? We already had a holiday party. I had it at the beginning of the month. So I hate it when the, the holiday party is at the beginning of December because it doesn't quite seem like Christmas yet. I, I like them closer to to the day, but it's hard. They're hard to pull off closer to the day because everybody gets so busy. People have their family family parties to go to and all of that. Uh, so, and also, we'll be here, you know, uh, throughout the course of the holidays with you. Some of our hosts will be taking some time off. Uh, Barry will be taking some time off uh, for sure. Um, and, and Jack has volunteered to step in for me if I want to take any time off. So, but we'll be here with you throughout the, the course of the holidays. You can always count on us to, to not only bring you all the news and information, but also to talk with you about whatever is going on in the city. We were talking kind of off the air about that story with the, um, the infant that was found uh, down at Fort Tabor. Just a, a tragic story that I hope, I hope we get more information about because I don't like the fact that some of these stories about these, these infants that have been found just get left hanging with no more info. Yeah. It's nothing more heartbreaking than 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 to think of um, infants um, either abandoned or or, or or just left this way. Uh, so I hope they get to the bottom of that. I wonder if I can just mention. Um, sure. I don't think I don't know if this is appropriate. While I was down with COVID, um, Shawnee, uh, one of our regular callers, tried to call me a couple of times, and I called her back. But I, you know, I called the number that she called on, and she, you know, she I, she sounded like she had the impression I hadn't called her back. You know, I didn't call her back right away. But I did call back within a few days, twice. So, so well, Shawnee, um, 
uh, I did call you back. Just want want to let you know that. Yeah, there you go. I know she's I know she's listening. She called in earlier, uh, so that'll do it for me for today. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. We'll we'll talk more with you, Chris McCarthy, as you're coming up uh, with South Coast now. Then we'll have the Bill O'Reilly report. Then we'll have Barry with you and Howie. And uh, just a reminder too that this week was supposed to be what uh, another primetime game for the Patriots. That got flexed out, so the Patriots are now playing this Sunday here on WBSM. So you'll be able to catch that right here on WBSM this 